This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome, everybody, to another fine episode of the Knife Talk podcast. I am Mareko Malmasi here with the faithful Mr. Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. And unfortunately, well, wait, Craig is here. I don't Maybe. think he's here. A little bit. No, is he? Is he not? He's not. You know what he told me? This is unfortunately told me he was having some plastic surgery done. Right. They oh, couldn't yeah, make because, it. Because well, what's going on down there, right? Well, it's below the belt. He's yeah. getting. Uh, he's tired of walking around with a long scrotum, and uh, it's like it's like he's got a pants full of chewed <laughs> chewing gum in his pants. He's gonna fix it all up. So he will be back next week, and uh, we miss him. And he'll probably pipe in every so often. And, sure. You know, obviously he's not getting his scrotum tucked. Relax, everybody. <laughs> Just calm down. Knife talk is a show. This show, if you've never listened before. We're here to talk about knives. I mean, let's not get too crazy. You know, that's what, it's all in the name, honestly. But we're also here, obviously, to give each other a hard time, try to answer questions. You know, this is about community and helping each other out. And uh, we'll get to some questions. We'll talk about some tough dilemmas and situations like that. But first, let's start it off with the past week. Should I kick it off or do you want to go? Please, you know what your past week is sponsored by? Even Heat. Even is a, is a proud sponsor of the podcast. Get the best heat treating oven available. And if you go to uh, Soul Ceramics, there's a link. Craig, what's that link again? I don't know. You probably know. Uh, Soul Ceramics, I think it's knifetalk.net slash heat. You will get uh, to Soul Ceramics and the discounts already included. You're going to get uh, $75 off and free shipping in the United States for Even Heat. They're the best kilns around. Not Even Heat and Soul Ceramics is sponsoring your week. Mareko, how was your week? Tell me about it. <laughs> my, week, my week's been good, actually. I, I just got some belts in from Combat earlier this week, which I was kind of actually waiting on so I could get some knives finished up. Uh, finish ground, uh, which I actually just posted yesterday, being Thursday, um, and um, so I got those. I what else did I do? Oh man, I was struggling with my coffee etch as I often do. It's it's not a perfect process. I'll, I will tell everybody that right now. It's not a bulletproof process, um, but I actually did a little bit of buffing using uh, my buffing attachment on my Broadbeck, and I cleaned it up, and what I thought was going to have to get stripped off and re-etched and all that business ended up looking pretty damn good. So I'm Sweet. moving on with that, and so that's, that one's going to be ready to rock and roll. It just needs to be sharpened before it heads out the door. Uh, I took some pictures, which I will probably be getting posted up in the next few days, probably by Monday, Tuesday, something like that. Do you want else. to talk about that tip you put up? You put up on your about uh, buffing? well. I thought I would save it later for our uh, for our sponsor. What a first sponsor! No, no, no. Yeah, we'll save it for the sponsor. But I was talking about when you were loading up your belt. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, was, save was, it. Save That's it a radio tease. You you you, so, you you got me. You got you, me. You, you got get me. a hang for the next half an hour. By the time we get to combat, I'll share it. Trust me. When he tells the combat read, this is a tip of tips. <laughs> tip of tips. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh. Uh, we just last, so we have a, this local night market that pops up. Uh, what is it? The second Thursday of every month, and it's obviously October. And we did a Halloween themed one, or they did a Halloween themed one. And the the location was literally like three blocks from our house, so we walked down there. 
Um, we met some of my son's uh, school friends there, and there was food. There was interesting vendors. Everybody was passing out candy and stuff like that. Um, we warned him. <laughs> so he's at the age where he's uh, kind of like the line between reality and imagination and fiction are very blurred. So even when we're in the house running around playing quote unquote T-Rex chase, um, I'm, I'm not wearing a special costume or anything. I just like, I widen my eyes and I turn my hands in the little T-Rex claws and I'll be chasing yeah. him. And what he sees is an actual T-Rex chasing him. And sometimes it's, it freaks him out and it's a little too much. So he has a very vivid and active imagination, which is awesome. Um, but it makes it sometimes challenging, especially, Especially times like this, this time of year. And the last few Halloweens have been hard um, because, like, I think when he was two, he almost literally got the shit scared out of him because some kid in a Spider-Man costume, which he had never really seen before that point, came running up right into his face. And it's like this, it just, it was frightening for him. So he couldn't do masks for a long time, like Batman or Iron Man or any of those kind of things. Um, but this year he, he did a pretty solid job. Uh, my wife made a, a super solid, um, old school kind of holes in the sheet ghost costume for him, but it was a little bit more sophisticated than that. Um, but she did a good, good job and, uh, he was walking around getting his candy and stuff. And, um, some person shows up in this like giant pumpkin costume. And when I say giant, I mean, he's walking around on like electrician stilts or, oh or, or sheet rocker stilts. Yeah. So he's already, whatever, three feet off the ground. He's got this <laughs> giant pumpkin head, and he's covered in all this, like, sinuous pumpkin yeah. gourd skin husk stuff. And he's got, like, a scythe as one hand, and he's got big claws in his other hand. And somewhat menacing looking. And, yeah. And, like, ten feet tall. <laughs> and so... um at first Inhuman. he was scared, but we just reassured him, you know, everybody here is just like you. They're people in costumes just pretending. So then he, like, struck up a conversation, and then <laughs> it's hilarious because he's – I think we just took him to the doctor the other day, and he's, like, 46 or 56 inches tall, talking to this 10-foot-tall creature. It's pretty cute. But um, Those yeah, are menace. <laughs> those are terrifying. I mean, in, that inhumanity <laughs> is very terrifying. Yeah. So uh, – but that was pretty – that was probably the highlight of our week so far. Um, and otherwise, you know, it, it's just been standard in the shop. Um, things are making good progress and I'm doing some reorganizing. Oh, one last thing. I got, uh, some plumbing. I got some water in the shop. It feels so luxurious. So I don't have water or bathroom at my shop, <laughs> which sucks. Um, and I usually, if I, I need to, either i have to trudge over to my friend's house where i rent my shop from and and take care of things there and carrying buckets five gallon buckets full of water um you know a couple hundred yards is not the funnest thing uh. to do and so now that we have water at the shop i feel like i'm in the laps of luxury <laughs> it's amazing well i mean you still have to go to your friend's house to go to the bathroom that's true and as long as it's not an emergency it's not that big a deal <laughs> You know, back to your son being scared, I remember yeah. reading an article back in the day when Sesame Street first came out. They had mm. this one episode that was so terrifying that they had to strip it from their archives. Oh, wow. 
what they did was this is pre-internet. Obviously, sure. this is the '70s. They had the original Wicked Witch of the West from. Um, okay, yeah. What the fuck is it? Wizard of Oz. Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Who was terrifying? Yeah. Was terif- when I was a kid, it's terrifying. Yeah. So they had her on Sesame Street doing her fucking Wicked Witch of the West thing. Her cackle. And apparently <laughs> it was so traumatizing to the children watching that a tidal wave of letters came in saying, you crippled my child. <laughs> you crippled oh my, my child with a Wicked Witch. <laughs> and it was so, like, a, such an overwhelming amount of letters complaining that their sure. children are now traumatized. I think it was like, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West, like playing with Oscar the Grouch or something like that and she's doing sure. her thing and it would they had to yeah. they had to rip it from the archives like you can't even get it I'm you so can't find it. maybe you can find it on YouTube but okay. it was like the first major like shit storm they ever had because they were kids were terrified yeah so that doesn't surprise me at all yeah well, I should I remember as a kid my sister lived in the east in the west village in, in New York and they used to take me to the uh the Halloween parade down in the west village which is like yeah. No child should be going to that. Yes, it was like <laughs> okay. There was one dude who was had a trench coat, and then under his trench coat he had a spring with a a uh, like a skin colored sock on the spring with a big ball on the end of it, and he would open up his 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 coat and this fucking long boner would spring out. And it was just like, oh, I was Jesus. this child and I was seeing all this horrible stuff. And then there were these people pretending to be Yoda and they were coming up to me and they were saying Yoda stuff. And I was like, you've got to get me out of here. I'm going to fucking die. I was like having like a nervous <laughs> breakdown in the, the East Village, West Village. And my, I come home and my mother's like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, just please. I don't like Halloween at all. Right. It was terrible. So, I God bless your son. I I hope he didn't get too many uh, nightmares. No, no, no. He actually he slept just fine, which is something that is always that goes along with it because he, like I said, he has a super active imagination, right? And um, and those kind of things will keep him up. In fact, we have a house um, that's like two houses away. Their front yard is plastered with all kinds of inflatable Halloween stuff and plastic skeletons coming out of the ground and all this shit. And he's only gone over and looked at it twice, which is uh, unusual because last year we went over and checked it out like every other day and he was fine. But for whatever reason this year and and whatever changes he's gone through, every time the, the two times that we've gone over and he's looked at it, that night, he has, like, night terrors, and he can't fucking sleep, which also, right. you know, screws up our sleep, and it's just... yeah. And he's, you know, he's experiencing, like, mental anguish and trauma right. from these horrible things he's been looking at. And so you feel bad, and, you, and you're frustrated because you're tired, too, and ugh. So we, we basically kind of skipped that house as we walked down to this whole, like, Halloween event. And, but that was a concern that there might be some freaky stuff there and there were some weird weird things and he did you know being in the ho- uh what is it the ghost costume uh with the holes in the sheet it was it was pretty easy for him to divert his vision cuz he already has like he's got two nickel size holes that he can look through anyways you know <laughs> doesn't have quite a wide field of vis- vision you know yeah yeah well <sighs> good old halloween yeah. good old halloween very exciting. Well, how about your week? Tell me about your week. We, it's well, been last weekend. You let's see. You had Maker Fair. 
or make uh, maker camp and then yeah just regular work back to work we had a great time at maker camp yeah uh we had a great time i was with uh, john cliff and jesse and carrie and we saw steve pellegrino spent all time with him sure. and uh, what other knife makers were there tiny town forge was there great um good old, good old bob menard and the and the any beep stuff and and Brett and Chris Cash and Keith Keith Decent and Keith Shipwright Skills and Jimmy Deresta and all the whole crew. It was a and then a Vintage Axe Works was there and we were fooling around with him and it was it was a lot of fun and, and Ali Arapach was there and that was great and sure. it was real nice and it was outdoors and uh, we had a good time and you know the f- interesting thing is is we were actually right next to the guys at Coal Ironworks and those oh, yeah. guys Mother Bear and Cedar Fo- Cedar uh, Lore are they're just great yeah. dudes great dudes yeah and uh, we. Got Got to use their. We got to use the new coal iron press. Oh, with the with like the, the computer. computer. Yeah. Oh, dude, dude. Well, it's number slick. one, it's interesting <laughs> because so basically, there's a computer on the side of it, and then you can limit the how far it goes up sure. and how far it goes down. So if you're working on a, you know, like we were doing, uh, Jesse and I were making some tongs, and we wanted to just draw the reins out. Yeah. So uh, Mother Bear just uh, put it to, you know, like an inch going up. But then we wanted the, the set it's to be set at, you know, half an inch. And it was like you put your foot down, and it just it just goes. It goes, right. and all you're doing and is throwing it back. And, down, right? Kind of and like, it just, like a you don't have hammer. to. It's like a exactly. It's like a slow power hammer, and you don't have, and you can take your foot off the pedal, or you can't, or, or whatever. And it was amazing, and it's going to be like. I mean, it is revolutionary. The yeah. one thing was was interesting to me was because there were so many blacksmiths there, and because you know people who listen to this podcast are looking for easier ways to do Damascus and easier ways to do forging, and sure. people get presses and people get power hammers, and it was interesting because I really focused on because we didn't have any presses by us. I'd have to go over to you know they were working the whole time over at Coal Ironworks, yeah. So I decided that I was just going to hand forge everything, and it really was interesting because I was working like a dog, and it was a lot of fun just kind of like hauling ass sure and just standing in front of the anvil and you know without any tooling and stuff like that and it really kind of uh, preparing them this weekend i'm going to be teaching uh well this when this comes out of the pat the past weekend well i'm going to be teaching at dragons with forge doing this um tong class right. and it was interesting because it really made me think about blacksmiths and bladesmiths now and i wonder i wonder if all these conveniences are are leapfrogging people's technique and ability because mm. this fucking press is amazing like sure. you, anybody could i mean you there's no there's no misshits you know right. all of a sudden there's no misshits all of a sudden you can't you can't squish it like if it's it's stopping at half it. if you right. yeah you're not squishing anything i mean if you set the limits yeah. there is no misshits so it's very hard for you to you know screw up it, sure. It's very hard for you to screw up. Yeah. And it just made me think about how a lot of people who want to get into blacksmithing or bladesmithing, they want to hop over the technique of how you do these things and sure. then just get these machines that are, you know, basically doing it for you. I mean, it, it, you know, there, I mean, it is a, it is a genius machine. It is, I mean, it is shockingly genius, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, are people's skill levels going to deteriorate, you know, because, you don't need you don't need to learn how to draw shit down anymore. Well, and if you think, I mean, obviously, if we just look like 
at our own industrial history. That, I mean, we've gone through that already. Yeah. The technology advances to where people like the people that have those skills are far and few between. I think they are always going to have kind of the upper hand and be able to fall back on and rely on those actual smithing skills. Uh, I will say, though, like with a press, there are limitations. Like when it comes to drawing out a bar of Damascus or drawing down a square stock or whatever, like set set up the, the thing. That's not the sophisticated part. But when you come, when it comes to actually forging the blade, I think even though it's got the computer set up, there are limitations to what a press can actually do. And once you get to a, th- a thin enough cross-section, you're not moving shit. Right. Um, and you do still have to do, I mean, I, I find on my press, I still have to, once I get down to basically quarter inch stock, um, it might have somewhat of a knife shape to it. But at that point, press isn't doing anything else. I have to do the rest by hand. So it, it may be like four, like five or six inches long and vaguely have a knife shape. But at that point, I still have to draw out and draw out tapers out to the point and forge in that point and draw down the edge and still do a ton of forging. Um, and so I, I think it's good that to have tools like these to help expedite some of the grosser movement processes. But when it comes to refining things, you you, you need you, you can't. I, I feel like it's important. I agree. I think it's important that people still learn and retain the knowledge and skills it takes to be able to do it by hand and not heavily. Ref- I mean, like that's, that's part of, I feel like that's part of what people are paying for when they're buying our custom work. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting because what we were doing, the modern forge guys, yeah. I mean, we were doing a lot of team striking. I'd never, I don't, the only team striking I ever do is with them. I've never learned right. how to do that before. And John and Cliff uh, were making hammers with just a, a sledge and a, and, a, and, a, and a punch and drifts. And I was helping John pop an eye into a hammer. And a lot of, there's a lot of hammer makers out there who use a press and there's nothing wrong with that. But no. You do, you do, I feel like almost, I almost feel like there are so many young guys out there watching YouTube, figuring stuff out, and then they get a press or they get a hammer, and then they're just kind of blowing past the, you know, the fundamentals on what's an anvil for and what do you use it for and and how do you optimize. And it was a very interesting uh, weekend for me because of seeing all this incredible technology and then seeing people kind of slapping, to be honest with you. There was a lot of, like, people who really had very little technique in terms of... Uh, understanding about heat, holding heat, and how you're supposed to put your steel in, and what yeah. you do, and prepare, mental preparation. There's, there. It was interesting to me, and the, what I my takeaway was was I was very, I felt very fit, and I felt very good forging. I forged this week preparing for this class, and you know, I, I'm far more interested now in in the mechanics of being a blacksmith sure. rather than the technical. You know the things that can help me make work less hard. Yeah, you know. Well, I think it, it. It. I mean, we don't need to keep going on this vein, but I think it also brings up kind of the discussion that we've had before on the show about, you know, is this a business or is this a, a personal, artistic, or artis- artisanal pursuit right. for you? Right. And if it's a business, then maybe it does make sense to kind of quote unquote take those shortcuts. A hundred percent. But if it's I, I think if it's if it's an, an artistic endeavor for somebody or a creative output or or form of learning in that way and and 
part personal enrichment, I think that person is never going to be satisfied just with the press. I think they are going to always try to strive and figure out how do I do this without, you know, the big machines? How do I do this with the most bare essentials of a big, heavy chunk of metal to, and a little piece of metal and a hot piece of steel and a forge, you know? And so it's interesting that you say that you make the differentiate the differentiation between, uh, business and a hobby or a business and a, you know, passion, yeah. because I do break them down differently. Like yeah. to me, b- being a blacksmith is more of a philosophical concept yeah. and it's, it's a philosophical concept that has a physical, has physical implications. Sure. And I'm the older I get, the more interested I am in being more of a, you know, a ponderous student who I mm. love when I forge, there's no better dr- drug than than forging, and it isn't not forging knives like tongs sure. and different things and learning techniques. And yeah. I actually uh, never. I, uh, Jesse and I were going to do a project. Every time we get together, we always do a project, and we were talking on the on the Full Blast podcast. And I said, "Well, make some." He made some tongs with the head of a dragon as the jaws. Mm. And I said, well, why don't we do that? And we did it, and it was so much fun. And I, the way they make tongs with set hammers and uh, with, with, with strikers is so much different than the way I learned how to do everything solitary sure. without strikers, without power hammers. So my, the technique of the way I make tongs is totally different. It's very foreign to, to, to what the way they do it. And it was interesting because we were able to make these dragon head tongs. It looked like an alligator. We call them alligator tongs. And it was like this, it was like this eureka moment of like, that was so much fun. I got the dopamine. I got the adrenaline. I got the, I was like cherishing these tongs and I want, all I want to do is make more as opposed to, you know, like, you know, I mean, I came back to the shop and I was working on knives and we had zoom meetings and we had, you know, whatever meetings with the, with, uh, my, my new, our new, uh, customer service person who I think is fabulous. And it's like changing the way we work, which is unbelievable, different, like a different business. But I separate that out from like my personal philosophical pursuits and as a blacksmith, you know? So it's, it is very fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, and I, I liken it to what people who do yoga or meditation right. or any of that kind of, or even like Stokes refer to their philosophy as a practice. It's it's never going to be perfect, but for their own personal endeavor, like personal growth and pursuit and passion through it, it's for them. It's it's all about practice, and it's and it, and it is that way of kind of refining oneself as well as their skill and kind of a personal sense of achievement um, and philosophy to pra- to quote unquote practice um, anything. It could be forging. It could be whatever you know, all, cooking. It could be whatever helps give you that sense of personal yeah personal I, I keep wanting to say the word refinement but just like why not and, and there are all these different various personal endeavors we all take on to to achieve something that helps find something within ourselves and for yeah for me i mean knife making is is that practice because there's always something to learn from it uh every time i forge a blade every time i grind a blade all any and scope to handle any of that shit but at the same time it's also you're you know like we've discussed before, you've got to figure out that balance between running it, doing it as a business and pursuing it as a passion and a practice. And yeah, 
Well, my takeaway was it was great seeing people. Yeah. But my other takeaway is is half these motherfuckers better start taking classes because I saw some <laughs> shit and I took some fucking I took some fucking mental notes and there was a lot of like I was making all the time, oh, all yeah. the time. I was like, I was like, get these motherfuckers out of here. I was like, I was uh, some of I was like losing my mind a little bit a few <laughs> times, but uh, I had to be calmed down. And then here's the funniest part. So like. I, you know, I have this thing about not drinking in the shop. A lot of it's because I just, I'm a, the power hammer always makes me, power hammers and grinders around booze to me. It's dangerous. Dangerous. So I don't (laughs) drink in the shop. But at Baker Fair, I made this, you know, all of a sudden the booze comes out and I was working, we were working at night and the boys were working and we were all, I was making a pair of tongs and and then the PA guys, dude, the PA guys are the best. The PA okay. guys, uh, Marlboro, hand, uh, Marlboro Knives, Jesse Killian, uh, Steve Pellegrino, uh, Butch, that's Sully. Um, Butch was there. All these guys from Pennsylvania are the best. The Pennsylvania crew are the most fun crew. So they're standing over there chirping at me, which was hilarious. Like, it was fun. They were behind the line. They were chirping at me. And then I started to – and then somebody passed me a beer, and I turned around and I said, you know – if I have any more beer, I'm going to start to get angry. So then there, more beer comes my way. More oh my beer God. comes my way. And I'm starting to get fucking – I'm starting to get irritated. And all I can see is Jesse, Killian, and Butch and, and uh, Steve kind of laughing because they're like – they could see me just getting getting angrier and angrier. But it was, right. it was, a, lot, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, that's too funny. That it was fun. Like a great time. Good, it, we had a great time, and uh, you know, we had a great time, and now, uh, now we're on. So uh, let's go on with the show. Um, I guess this next, this next part is what is combat abrasives? Combat abrasives, your best com, your best belts and in and stuff available. If you want to get belts, if you want to get buffing wheels, you want to get compound combat abrasives, and if you put in promo code knife talk 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order so we get yourself some combat abrasives and um let's go on with the show you well, want to I, some... I got my hot tip oh, oh yeah the right? hot tip i'm sorry that no, craig's good, good. not here to like rein <laughs> me in the moreco this is the this is the combat abrasives hot tip okay let's hear it so uh jeff i actually have a question for you before i start this are go you ahead. ever grinding and you feel like the belt, especially when you're trying to do like finesse work, especially like maybe out at the tip or, or any of the finish grinding, especially, and it feels like the belt is dragging, um, kind of the work around or making it kind of shudder or jump a little bit. Yeah. You ever have that happen? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this tip actually I picked up from my time working with Bob Kramer. Um, but it, he, what it is, is using black polishing compound on your abrasive belts. Now, I, I made a video uh, yesterday, or posted up a video, uh, just a short little thing, about how I use polishing compound on my 400 grit belt when I'm doing the last few licks of the blade um, in my finish grinding before I then progress to the hand sanding. Um, and what that does is, it so the compounds are made with a form of wax and so that helps reduce that friction so it doesn't take away the cutting ability of any of the belts um but it helps reduce that friction so if it does feel like the belt is pulling the work or dragging it around kind of like your platen or however you know it feels like it's a little unruly that helps reduce that friction so you still get a cut but you but you don't get the knife the work getting pulled out of your hand and so i i do that 
at the very end with my 400 grit because that's where I experience it the most. But I've also done it at the Corsa grits at 36, 60, 120. Any, you know, any of the grits, you can do it. Um, huh. Because, again, it's not going to take away the, the belt's ability to cut. It, helps redu- it just helps reduce the friction. Um, but because it is a polishing compound, that black polishing compound, um, it does help refine the scratch um, the, the scratches huh. as well as aiding in the ability to grind and and so you get a really a really nice finish even just off of a 400 belt i mean that uh if you look at the video i put up the other uh was that thursday yesterday um the finish on there's pretty damn good for a machine finish and that was just 400 grit with the black polishing compound huh. i've also played with doing it on scotch bright belts um cork belts um, I don't really use cork belts anymore. I used to. I don't actually, honestly, really use Scotch Bright belts very often, but they have their place. Um, but all of those, it really helps reduce the friction. It doesn't necessarily even have to be the black. It could be the pink or whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat. But that wax is key in helping to reduce that friction uh, of that polish of that belt, so that it's not dragging the work around. Because what was literally what was happening is I was doing the finish grinding, and I would get out to the tip, and it, I'm just barely putting pressure on on the belt with my thumb against the blade, and it kept dragging the blade out of out of right. off, out from underneath my thumb, and then I'm you know I'm jamming my thumb into the belt at whatever thirty percent of full speed or whatever, and that's not enjoyable, and so. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, oh, yeah, let me throw some of this wax compound on there. I did it, finished them out, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a quick video and just share that really quick. And so I did that. And, and apparently uh, apparently that's not a common thing. So what kind of – if you were to – if you were – because this we're going to get – what could – I'll get in my DMs. What, <laughs> what kind of compound did Mareko say we should get? What kind of compound Is the black, be the right one? I, I use the black polishing compound as a general – uh, kind of, it's like basically it's a belt lubricant in a way. As huh. weird as that sounds, and they probably have something like that as combat, right? Well, they, they definitely no. They sell. They definitely sell the black compound. Actually, the compound I was using is from Combat. Combat, the black compound. Um, they go. they have several. They have the green, white, purple, pink, brown, and black. And I'm sure they have some red or something else too. Um, it. I think honestly, it doesn't really matter which one you're using. But I like it because. Um, you know, I've used other stuff in the past that just flies right back off the belt and makes a damn mess. And I fucking hate that. So what's great about the compound, the polishing compound is like I said, because it's wax based, it doesn't like I'll, uh, I'll put it on the belt at a low RPM and, and really kind of push it into the belt and then, and then I'll crank the speed up and then I'll do my grain grinding. Um, and it stays on there and, and then that belt actually is pretty handy for any kind of belt sharpening. Um, because you do, again, you get that high polish mixed with the, uh, the coarser abrasive. Um, so I use those for belt or belt or like machine sharpening and knives and all kinds of stuff. But that's a fucking good one. It's great for cleaning up blades. I like it. And piggybacking on the compound, uh, combat has, a purple compound, and if you can get, there's a specific wheel specifically for Kydex, and it's like mm. I don't know exactly. Andreas Kalani did a video about it a long time ago, and I got one. It's yeah. almost like a, a yellow. Uh, it's like a yellow buffing wheel. Okay. And then you get the purple compound, 
And if you're finishing up your Kydex and you want to buff up the that edge to make it look nice, that's your shit. That's the the fucking Kydex, nice. the yellow wheel with the purple compound. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Combat abrasives. <laughs> I love that. Fifteen percent off. <laughs> Knife talk. Fifteen. You're welcome. All right. So this is the part of the show where we call it. Hey man, can I ask you a question? And if you want to contribute to with to the show, you want to participate in the show, follow us on Instagram at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. You can DM us there. People DMing us uh, questions for the show. And uh, why don't you take the first one, Racco? Yeah. All right. This one is from Drek metalwork he says have an actual question for once instead of a butthole related comment during normalization if i take the knife out and give it a little tap tap on the anvil with the hammer to straighten it up how much is that affecting the grain structure as opposed to letting it air cool with no uh tap tap so um so he's talking about you know you if you're using your even heat kiln, which you should, everybody should be, use an even heat kiln after, especially post forging, um, but even just in stock removal too, you can use it uh, to do your normalizing cycles and pre- preparation for final hardening. Um, but you pull the knife out and you let it air cool. Um, he's wondering if you can use that heat to do a little bit of straightening if you pull it out and see if things are a little off. And I'll tell you 100%, I I definitely do that myself. Um, One thing I will say is I'm not trying to reintroduce too much stress back into the material because that's kind of what the normalizing cycles are for is to help relieve some of that stress that is introduced through forging especially. Um, And so what I do is instead of actually, I used to use the anvil, but now I just, I have a scrap piece of two by four. I rest that on top of the anvil and then I do my tap tapping on that. So instead of compress, really compressing the material, I'm literally just only bending it. I'm not compressing and reducing the cross section. And therefore, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing to compress the material a little bit in, in straightening, but when it's, at that temp- it's just not necessary especially when you're at heat treating thickness already um and so i just have like i said a piece of wood ideally i would have actually a wooden hammer and that that would be another way then you could actually lay it on the uh the anvil and then use the wooden hammer to to do a little bit of straightening here and there i just don't have that set up so i do the opposite i have a piece of wood that i rest the blade on and then i straighten using my hand hammer now the the downside of putting that piece of two by four on the anvil and putting that hot ass steel on there is that it definitely starts smoking up and catching fire. If you don't have proper ventilation in your shop or you're not right next to a door, you probably don't want to do that. Um, so in that case, if you do want to do some straightening, just, just don't go crazy. Don't, you know, you're not forging it. Just do tiny, the tiniest little gentlest little hammer kisses. Um, to straighten it out. And honestly, maybe wait until it's actually a little bit on the cooler side to like a dull red. Because you're not hitting it hard, you don't have to worry about like introducing some sort of stress or creating stress fractures or anything. You're just, they're like planishing blows kind of in a way. So that's what I would do. And that's what I have done. Um, But what do you think, Jeff? Have you done that before? I definitely use normalizing to straighten. And I rarely use the hammer because I just, I feel like... After forging, that's it. I mean, I've already made all the hits I'm going to make. And I do do, because if you, all right, so normalizing is if you're, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast and like, 
what's normalizing. It's after you forge your blade, you've put so much hitting and stress and you're, you have all this grain growth. And you, what you want to do is you want to kind of relax everything. So you're doing three cycles at descending temperatures or whatever. Other people have different temperatures around critical temperature and then below. And then it just kind of relaxes it after all the hitting. But what I do is I use it for straightening. So a lot of times I'll pull it out and then um, I'll just kind of eyeball it. And then I'll have two pairs of tongs and I'll just kind of use the tongs. I've watched uh, Jason Knight in his video Forged. I would highly suggest uh, buying his online series Forged. All of them are very good. He puts them in a vice. He puts them in a vice, and sure. he he uh, he'll eyeball it for, in the vice. And then the other thing is uh, another good one to watch to buy is the Nick Rossi uh, secret knife makers whatever whatever. His video is awesome, and what he did was he says you have to put it in a vice because. If you put on the vice, spine side down, edge up, you're going to see all the any bowing on the, along the blade side, and then you can adjust it there while in the normalizing cycles, because it's all you're always going to have to do some fixing. And in the, in the normalizing cycles, he's using like a you know a crescent wrench or something like that, adjustable wrench, and you can fix any kind of little warps. And as you're going down the normalizing cycle, you're going to notice. That it's straighter and straighter coming out, and then once, hopefully, if you if it's if it's really really straight and good, when you're quenching it, it's going to have an easier time being straight in the quench. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of adjustments during normalizing. I always I I, I eyeball the shit out of it while it's hot enough to move yeah. for sure. But I never use a hammer. I'm always just too afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to break everything. <laughs> yeah, you. you got the oh, gr- dude, I, the gorilla finesse. Oh, gorilla finesse of complete of gorilla finesse. This is like hit it. If you tell me to hit it, it's like baby kisses. What are you talking about? I'm hitting with a hammer. Um, the next one comes from Matt Laverty. Question. I really, really love a good outdoor knife for my birthday. My beautiful wife is of the mind of it's a bit of metal sharpened, so why does it cost 50 euros? And this one costs a couple hundred. As a maker, he's a woodworker, I can hazard to guess that it's the type of material used and amount of time spent on the knife. But I'm interested in what your opinion is to the biggest difference between a a chop camp knife, that's Craig Lockwood's chop camp knife and a and a fifty euro Etsy find. Thanks, loving the podcast. So he's obviously not a metal worker. He doesn't understand what goes into making knives and wants to know. And his wife wants to know why. Why is it so expensive? That's interesting, especially being a woodworker himself. And woodworking is very can be very time intensive, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, time is definitely an aspect. You know, and it's the difference between, you know, uh, these commercially manufactured knives um, that are blasted out at thousands a day versus a skilled craftsman spending uh, their time and and skill and attention to crafting this one thing very meticulously um, and very carefully. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's the big difference between... I mean, the materials could be the same, but I could almost guarantee, especially if it's a maker, a knife maker who knows what they're doing with, they can maximize the material far beyond what a commercial manufacturer has the time to do. 
That's the problem with commercial right. manufacturer stuff is they, they figured it out to get a pretty good product, but it's not necessarily the best product um, because they have their own manufacturing constraints. And that's where a handcrafted thing has the upper hand and has the advantage is that they are, we are taking the time to make that product, whatever it is, as best as it possibly can be before it leaves our hands and becomes a part of your life. I tend to think that most people hate the science. Like they're sure. not. They, they're, when you start Who talking the, to like how the sausage is made, a civilian situation, right? No, nobody wants to know about normal normalizing. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to know normalizing heat treatment, any yeah. of that shit. It's people are just like their eyes glaze over. So I had to figure out ways in which to talk about it in a way that it was kind of like understandable. Yeah. And uh, I use the creme brulee method where. Okay. And guys, if knife makers, if you start stealing this shit, I'm going to come after you with a, with a gorilla of tongs. It, you basically, the idea is, is it's just like creme brulee. If you sprinkle the sugar on top of creme brulee, you think of the sugar as the iron carbides. And then when you bring the, and then they have no connection to them. And then once you apply the heat at a certain temperature, the critical temperature, they go into solution. And then, and that's austenite. And then as they come, they, it trans, and then the creme brulee transforms into that hard crystal state. That's converting the solution into the, the austenite into martensite. And that's usually what I do. And I said, and then, you know, you hit it with a spoon and the spoon goes through, but it's just like that with a knife. You have to draw it back. You don't want it to be brittle. So I kind of make that connection because people's eyes glaze over when you start to tell them how, what happens. I mean, we were talking about normalizing in five minutes, but how long it actually takes is, you know, three sets of normalizing, getting it up to the temperature and then dropping right. it down three times. I mean, you're talking like an hour and a half, two hours, yeah, yeah. probably Easy. something like that. Yeah. And then heat treatment, another couple hours or whatever. And then that, you know, and then you have four hours on top of that, of, 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 of tempering. It's just, it, there's too much, there's too much things to add up to it taking a long time and people just don't want to understand that, you know? I mean, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Somebody else wrote why I think pickle cutter wrote in and are saying, <laughs> why do, uh, pickle cutter. He's pickle all right. He's, he's getting he's, a lot he's, of airtime these last few episodes. Dude, here's what I'm going to tell you about pickle cutter. <laughs> he's realizing I'm going to ask as many questions as long as they say my name, pickle cutter. Cause <laughs> I think he's on another podcast called, I was the hustle and grind podcast that they, they love it. So shout out to the hustle and grind podcast. There you go, guys. Pickle cutter. <laughs> it's all pickle cutters fault. It's all pickle. And he said, how come people want to buy, uh, he said, how come people want to buy a, a painting, but they don't want to spend money on an expensive knife. And it's just people's, it, it's people's interests or whatever their interests are. Yeah. Some people just don't give a shit about a knife. You know, some people want it. They don't, they don't, it's not all equal. You know, it's yeah. people want in what they want. I mean, I would imagine that, you know, I can see why people would say, you know, why don't you just get a, like a bear grills knife from Walmart <laughs> as opposed to getting one from like Aaron Goff. And I can see people saying that. What are you going to do? You pull it, people are, listen, uh, Matt Laverty, go get yourself a, a Craig Lockwood special. Get the chap, the chop camp knife. And that's, that's what you need. Don't worry about that 50 pound, 50 euro knife. Get out of here. What do you think, Craig? (laughs) (laughs) Craig, what do you think, Craig? You have an answer for that, Craig? Um, I will tell you, I had a conversation this week that is very similar to this that ha- initially had my hackles go up um, because this person messaged me. They're very interested in a knife. I 
I have a little bit of back and forth, you know, customer service back and forth. And then they're like, I need you to explain to me why that price point. And I was just like, oh, this fucking guy. I just spent this It's time not for talk- you. Exactly. That's in my mind. I was like, so. Oh, that it's not for you. Oh, and I wanted to strike back so hard and talk about all this fucking shit. What and I was like, oh, this guy doesn't give a shit. says something like that. Well, I was like. This- That's like an asshole thing to say. Demand. <laughs> You need to explain what to me. you have to pre- exp- explain to me the price. <laughs> so, you just you get the price, and if you don't like it, you fucking say you, you can't off. do it, and that's yeah. it. You don't have to get explanation. Yeah. So I. Uh, oh, I'm mad for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I try. I'm trying to be a big boy. I'm trying to evolve as a human being. Um, and so, even though my hackles initially went up, I was like, okay, what's the real problem here? Does he not get it, or does is he really can't afford it? And I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And so I was like, "This clearly is not in your budget. Please tell me what are you what are you looking for, and what's your budget that you're working with?" And I mean, maybe I can help point you in somebody's direction who who can better serve you or help you. And he, we ended up having a couple more exchanges, and uh, and then I ended up sending him over to Eating Tools. Uh, to go talk to Abe Shaw and see what he could find over there. He wanted to get something. Like, he was a kid. He wanted to get something for his dad. He's like a young kid in like maybe early 20s or something like that. But I'm just like, bro, look, <laughs> I'm about ready to tell you fuck off, but I'm actually going to try to help you. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. And, and it all ended, and then it ended with him being like, you know, I really admire your work. I, I really spe- yeah. respect yeah. it. I was like, yeah. okay, okay, sure, whatever. See you later. <laughs> Tony refers to those kinds of emails as that's the rabble. Ugh. That's the rabble. You get fucking any time. It's it, there. These are time vampires. These are time vampires. And because you're nice enough to respond back, it's like all of a sudden they think that they're in this enjoyable tennis rally. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're fucking so. around. I mean, like. it's like if they write, explain to me why you should just write back. It's not for you. I mean, if I have to explain it, I mean, what kind of shitty thing do you do that I can ask you why? You know, how come it's, why do you charge so much for, for being stupid? You know, who knows? I mean, it's just it's dumb. It's, people are such, it's I tell rude. you what, it's, it's, yeah. it's the people are the worst. And it, you know, the really, people. the real, real problem is, yeah, yeah this, Craig, what do you say? You say people, people. it's. The problem is, is people have, and I'm gonna, you're gonna laugh when I say this, but like artists and artisans, people have no respect for them. They think no, if they were agree. so smart and they were such geniuses, then they would be a genius in business. And so what they do is they take advantage of creative people who maybe are not the best at business, and then all of a sudden they devalue their humanity. I'm it's raising annoying. my hand right now. Not the best at yeah. business. <laughs> Well, but it's fine. But at the same time, it's like you're not a dummy. You're a fucking very intelligent person. But there's this mindset that there's this mindset that creative people are like servants to a certain degree. And then they have these the the audacity to ask these crazy questions. You know, it's crazy. I don't. Luckily for me, I don't get those shit anymore. Poor Allison has to get them now. Poor Allison's gonna. Allison's on the spot now. Allison. Um. Allison, Allison rules. Uh, shout out to Allison. Um, well, let's keep going. Or we got dilemmas too. You tell me what you want to do. We want to throw in another sponsor. Uh yeah. Which one do you want to do? Should we do uh, Damasteel? 
Sure. Yeah. Hey, Craig, I don't know about Dan. What's going on with Dan Steel? Why don't you tell us all about it? This is your chance. There you go. Damasteel, go visit us at. He, he's going. I had him. I told him to put in a spot for Damasteel, and there he is. He put in a nice spot. So, Perfect. yeah. So join us for the Damasteel Invitational. Uh, Should be fun. Craig, when is the Damasteel Invitational? Okay, and uh, we will see you there. It's going to be a great live show. We, that's one of our best shows where uh, we're going to be with Damasteel and all these great makers, and we're going to see you there. And go get yourself a piece of Damasteel. Knife Talk Ten gets you ten percent off because Craig put the squeeze on on, uh, oh, on yeah. our man. <laughs> on our man, put a squeeze on our man. Okay, what do you want to do? More questions, dilemmas. Uh, yeah, let's go to dilemmas. Let's check those out. Okay. This is tough scenarios that you send us, you the listener send us. Uh, we are to answer them honestly, or if they're phony, we also say that they're phony. Um, okay. Oh, well, this is from Drek Metalworks sent us a quote. He says, uh, I heard a great quote in a movie that I thought applied to an, off, uh, to an often brought up subject. Back to what we were talking about. If you want to be an artist, go be an artist. Just let the less of a, just, ju- I fucked it up. If you want to be an artist, <laughs> be an artist. Just let the rest of us earn a living. That's from Drek Metalworks. Okay. Okay. Steve Ellis, this is the first tough scenario. Steve Ellis says, here's a situation for you. A customer brings you a knife that has clearly been abused and asks you to repair it. This is a customer that you like and respect as you've dealt with them in the past. You recognize the maker's mark on the knife and you're friendly with the maker of the abused knife. The customer asks you not to tell the maker of the knife that he brought to you for repairs. Do you fix the knife and keep it between the two of you, or do you send the customer to the original maker to repair the knife, or do you repair the knife and tell the original maker, embarrassing the owner, thanks, and keep up the episodes? We're trying, Steve. We're trying. So what do you do in this situation? Do you get the idea? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So, yeah, I would have to – well, I would first – yeah, I I would talk to the maker. Oh, wait, but the guy doesn't want the maker to know, right? Yeah. Oh, no, then I would 100% refer. I, I would tell them, look, I either have to talk to the maker and and potentially, I don't even know, like it depends on if I'm even comfortable doing the repair. That's the other thing. But two, um, I, I would never do that without discussing it with the maker. And if he did, if he, that person really didn't want um, the maker to know, then I couldn't do it. I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. It, it just and so I would just, yeah, I, I would really stress I would that they totally, need to talk to the maker. I would totally break the customer's balls <laughs> in a loving way. Come on, man, you're bringing this bullshit into me to fix my. He's my friend. You got to tell him. I can't do that. You got to come on. Be a dude. Be a regular guy. You fucked up. Admit you're fucked up and just take care of it. The slap and tickle. Stop the nonsense. I. I I wouldn't be able to hide that one from someone. I'm trying no. to think if I've ever done anything like that before. The old, no, I haven't ever done anything. I don't I don't like repairing other people's knives sure. at all. The only time I ever did it was for Kev Slattery. This is a great story. Oh. So we all know Kev, Kev's yeah. Forge of of uh knife making down under, our buddy Kev. Kev said to me once, he is he had a knife for a customer from a customer that was in the United States. The customer dropped the handle. He dropped the knife and he cracked the handle. So Kev said to me, Jeff, 
Can you please fix this? Kev came to me. He says, my customer dropped the handle, this schmuck. Can you please? I mean, he didn't say schmuck, and Australians <laughs> don't know that word. That's foreign to them, completely foreign. There's no so Australian So he says, can you Jews. repair this for me? Can you repair this for me? I'm like, Kev, I really don't want to. It's just, that, just, the, just the knife, right? He's like, yeah, just the handle. You have to do anything else. So the customer sends it to me, and in my mind, I'm not charging I didn't charge because I'm not charging for Kev. Kev's my friend, and I figured I'd rake him over the coals a little bit later, and it was like it wasn't a big deal. It was just like a big chip. So I fixed the knife. I fixed the handle. Was it? It was just like a little chip. I had to just sand out. It was not a big deal, and I hit it with some. I don't know what I hit it with. Some, I hit it with some axe wax, something like that. And then the and then the customer said, "Can you sharpen it too?" And I was like. Jesus Christ. It was like a really beautiful Damascus knife. Sure. And oh, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. And I said to I said to Kevin, like, I'm not charging the guy because you're my friend and I'm gonna rake you over the coals at some point. But then all of a sudden the then the then the guy said, Yeah, can you sharpen it? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm like, oh, fucking hell. So I sharpened it, shitting my pants because it's like I was all <laughs> The whole time I was just like, am I going to do this as nice as Kev? What am I going to do? What if I slip? And, you know, if it's my knife, I slip. It's one thing. But if it's like somebody else's. And I just remember sending it back. And the guy didn't even write me a thank you note. Holy Dad didn't write son. me a thank you note. I didn't give him a wow. bill. I just put it. I didn't write me a thank you note. Didn't even say he got it. So I just started browbeating Kev. You're fucking customers. He doesn't have any fucking. He's not even polite. I didn't even give him a bill. He asked me all these extras. He didn't even fucking say anything. I got nothing for what kind of bullshit customers you have. It was so. It was worth it. It was worth it just to beat his brakes. It was just to beat Kev's brakes. It was the best. That was the best. So yeah. Crazy. So just don't. I would never. I would. I. I. It's hard for me to be. Um. I can't. I have a hard time lying. Sure. You know, like I had family that were like habitual liars and it's gotten to the point where I was just like, look, just fucking tell them. I'm not going to fix You, you, just, you, you hit a life. bone. You just fix it. Just do something. Talk yeah. to them. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I, I, I once, um, who was it? When I, it was when I was in Connecticut and somebody came and took a class from Matt Parkinson and, uh, he brought a knife and it had an issue with it. And he asked Matt if he would fix it. And he's like, oh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And I was like, well, I, I looked at it and I was like, I think I could fix this. Uh, and it was a maker who is, oddly enough, also in Connecticut and only 30 minutes from the shop. Um, so for whatever reason, this customer couldn't get it over to, uh, to the maker. But I, I messaged the maker and I said, this is what's going on. I sent him all kinds of pictures. And I was like, you know, I think... This is if I were to fix it, if you were okay with me fixing it, this would be my approach. Um, I would do everything to keep it, you know, as minimal as possible, and then I'd just sharpen it back up. And I was like, What do you think? And he's like, That sounds fine. And so I did it. You know what's hilarious? I was super happy about it. We moved on. What's hilarious about this all is you were so thoughtful and so thoughtful to the knife and the and to the maker. But you know that that guy just like did some bonehead move, like he was opening up a paint can or something like that, you know? Just something stupid, opening like, you know, can. open up. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, like trying to open a refrigerator or something. Doing something stupid. Plain darts. And you're, meanwhile, you're yeah. like, you're doing, you got the white gloves on and you have an approach. I mean, yeah. the fact that you have an approach. <laughs> the guy, he, who knows, he probably, uh, who knows what this fucking guy did. It's hilarious. Yeah. You're a good dude. Okay. 
Next dilemma is from Sun Disc Knives. Here's a dilemma for you guys. You have a table at a knife show. The maker next to you sells similar knives using similar materials. You overhear him talking to a customer and explaining the characteristics and the expected performance for a certain for a certain steel and his quote magic heat treatment. However, everything the maker is claiming is bullshit, and the materials, while good, won't come close to what the maker claims. The customer says he needs to go get some money and make a few other stops, but he'll be back to buy the knife. 30 minutes later, you're getting... This is a very specific story, and it's because it's happened to this fucking guy. Uh, I can tell I hear it. Sundisk. Yeah, Sundisk has ha- he had to jot down notes of exactly what happened. Uh, Thirty minutes later, you're getting coffee in a different part of the show, and the customer's in line behind you. He hasn't bought the knife, but clearly is going back after he gets his coffee. Do you say anything about all the bullshit the other maker was claiming about the steel, knowing that once the customer finds out the other ma- maker lied, he wouldn't buy the knife, and then um, the other maker would never know it was you who sunk his sale. So do you butt in? That's really the question. Yeah, do you butt in? <laughs> do you butt in? Well, I think, I think if the other maker wouldn't know, then sure, why wouldn't you? Now, if it was somebody, yeah, I don't know. If it was a friend of mine, that would be a different situation. Yeah. But I would be pretty disappointed in that friend, or I'd, or I'd fucking bust the chops later. Um, but if it was somebody I didn't know. Then yeah, I would one hundred percent just be like, you, I'm not so even trying you, to get your sale. I just want you to be as informed as you should be. And what that guy was saying was all bullshit. So you're tapping him on the shoulder, say, "Excuse me, I don't know you, but I overheard your conversation with the guy next to me, and he's totally full of shit." Yeah, one hundred percent. See, you know what's so funny <laughs> is I would hear if that were me, I would hear to be like, "That guy's not telling the truth," or "That's not correct," and then I would mull it over, and then I would think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know because I wouldn't. I would, sure. I would think I would be so confident this guy's full of shit. Once I get super duper confident, there's always this little voice in my head saying, "I think you're going overboard. I think you might okay. be wrong. I think you might have hopped. The, got, I got on the wrong train there, Jeff." That's a good and thing I would have. have. I would have completely, immediately said it would be real embarrassing if you were wrong. Real embarrassing. <laughs> It'd be real embarrassing. You go up to this guy and say, "Hey, man, I don't listen. I overheard you talk to that guy about that knife, and he was talking some bullshit." Right. And uh, listen, don't do it. Don't do. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know. Sure. I would. I don't. I. I don't know if I could do it. Well, I would say, yeah, if it, that would be the caveat. If I wasn't one hundred percent confident in in knowing that what the guy was saying was bullshit, if it just sounded like some bullshit, I. And I, but I didn't know the right answer, then I wouldn't necessarily bump in or jump in. But if I knew better and could actually provide the person with some better information, then I would say something. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, at Maker Camp, yes. I was overhearing some bullshit. And Jesse and the PA boys started feeding me beer. And I inserted myself because I was getting drunk and angry. And I inserted myself in a very brusque fashion. Oh, okay. I was, br- I was brusque. It was, a, it was this little, they were doing this blacksmithing clinic. And I was, I didn't, there was a couple things I didn't like that they were doing. And uh, I got a little bit. I probably had a little bit too much to drink, and I got a little bit full of myself. But I was a hundred percent sure of myself too. Okay. I, if, if they had, if if uh, Butch and and Steve and 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 uh, Jesse didn't give me beer, I probably would have kept my mouth shut. If it was coffee, <laughs> I would have been like, "Oh, go fuck yourself." I could care less. Uh, so he says, and then he, he just writes. He writes back, and he goes, "A long story short, it happened to me. It wasn't. The, it, I wasn't the maker at the time. Just another customer. I told the guy he was fed bullshit, and then directed him to go to another maker who was a friend of mine. Ah, so he he corralled him into somewhere else. Good you for go. you. Um, here is Will. Uh, here's Will Hansen. Will Hansen says, "Here's a difficult situation for your consideration." You spend months developing an original design for a knife. Maybe a unique handle or a new Damascus pattern or a steak knife for a restaurant. It's totally original, never been done before. And a week before you make the big reveal, another maker drops the exact same design. Total coincidence, but he didn't copy you. What do you do? Do you scrap it? Do you drop it anyway? Do you reach out to the maker? What do you do? Yowza. Yeah, I don't know what you do. You just say, shit, I shouldn't have taken so long to get this out the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know you what else you can yourself. say. Yeah. Hey, that was my idea first. <laughs> dude, I had a dude, when I did the Cuban knife, a guy reached out to me and he said, you ripped off my knife. And it isn't really? anybody we know. Okay. And I had to show a time-stamped picture Oh my god! Saying, "Sorry, bro. I, it, this is this came and I showed my receipts too. I was like, mm. this is where it came from, and you're incorrect.' And right. it was like he's like, "Oh, sorry, my bad. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it was all cool, but it was just like that's the first time anyone ever did that to me, and they sure. they jumped ugly with me real fast, right. real fast. Yeah. So and nice. then uh, I have done this. There have been things that I've done." I have done blacksmith things that I've done that have been mercilessly ripped off. Sure. And I just don't want to do them anymore for that reason. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, I I mean, some people know, but there are some things that I've done that came from a very, very, very original spot. Mm -hmm. And I saw other people doing it a lot and it soured me from the whole thing. And I was just like, if this is all I'm hanging my hat on, then I don't fucking want it anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, I stopped just that's because I was just like, I'm not, fuck you. I can do other things. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a good thing. That, a good way to look at it. If that's the only thing it's I'm annoying, hanging my though. hat on. But yeah. that's the, that's the one thing. It's like, if you're hanging your hat on one thing, then 
it's be- but it sucks. It sucks to come up with an idea, and then sure. there's this idea called parallel thinking, where yep. you know, like coincidence. You always there's no real parallel thinking. Knife making is there's trends, and people follow trends, and next thing you know, you got a harpoon clip, and you know, and then a cube twist, and next thing you know, is you got you got something there. It's funny you bring that. So when I worked for Bob Kramer, we were trying to come up because he had uh, what his ankle line coming out or something. He wanted to come up with a knife block design. And I was like, I got a fucking idea. So you have magnetic blocks and you have like knife blocks that sit on the countertop. But what if there was a block that was a blend of the two where you had the ability to display on magnets on the side of your countertop knife block, um, the Damascus knives, um, because, Oh, cool. It, but what's hilarious is I worked on it for like off and on for probably like three or four months, just like drying up and trying to figure out plans and the concept and or the order of operations for building one. And then a company comes out, I think it was global or somebody like that. And they had produced a knife block with magnets on the outside. Uh, so you could slap a knife against the outside of the countertop knife block. And I was like, motherfuckers <laughs> took yeah. my idea. Uh, but we they know some other... obviously we, they uh, they had somebody with a, a neat idea on their end doing the same you know asking the same question mm. um, well yeah or or you know we you you and I both know somebody who some company that glommed an idea and they, we know all about it I mean it happens it yes. sucks it's, <laughs> but there is definitely one of those things where you 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 know hanging hanging that's the biggest problem with everything and you know it's interesting because I think about the grinder companies right now because sure. like I'm making jokes I saw I saw Vince and Ryan by the way from Broadbeck Ironworks right. I had a great time with those guys this weekend and nice. and Ben Ben Seacrest was there and I'm, the Broadbeck guys were awesome and Number one, we are the number one guys for selling Broadback. So yeah, congratulations to us and thank you to the listeners because you guys are making us look good. Trust yeah, me. Thanks, um, Peeps. You know, we were talking and we were talking a lot about the new stuff that they're doing. And um, one of the interesting things is they're very well aware. I make jokes saying I'm calling Grinder Wars because there's so many Grinder companies <laughs> popping up. I've been calling it Grinder Wars for a few months, you know, as a joke because it's like, Everyone's making grinders. And it's yeah. like the problem is, is all these grinder companies are focusing on people. And then all of a sudden, you know, how many grinders do you need? It's not like, you know, it, so what's what's interesting is, is there are a lot of people who are taking grinder ideas from other grinder ideas and sure. from other grinder ideas. And, you know, I talked to a lot of different grinder companies and they're all just like, this was my idea. That was my idea. This was my idea. That was my idea. And it's hard. It's hard. And, and that we can just kind of talk about uh, Broadback a little bit. But Broadback, we were talking, when I was talking to Vince and, and, and Ryan, was they're focusing on the stuff that you can add on, the add-ons. Yeah. You know, the all move. the, the Mareko Platin is like their crowning achievement for Platins. And there are more down the line. They were telling me about stuff that's down the line that's really exciting. Right. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but, I mean, they have some new stuff that's coming down the line that's really, really exciting. And what I was telling them was is during Grinder Wars, they are doing a great job creating uh, attachments. So if you don't have a Broadback Ironworks grinder, you can get the, the Mareko Platin, which is the crowning achievement. That thing is – that is my number one platin now. I don't I, – I, don't, I mean, it's amazing. It's and sweet. the – 
Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. I was uh, sculpting a handle last yesterday or something like that, a carving handle. And I was using it. And I was like, man, being able to go both sides is so amazing. And that four-inch wheel is awesome. Yeah. And then there's certain, there's there's all their gr- different attachments, and they have tons of different attachments, and it's definitely worth it. And if you go to BroadbeckIronworks.com you, and you put in promo code full uh, – Code, promo code knife talk you're going to get the ability to to uh bounce up to the Moreco platen and i would highly suggest getting the Moreco platen sure highly suggest it you want to talk a little bit about the Moreco platen i mean you talked about it obviously just a little bit there but i mean the the biggest key to or the the most important feature for me on this platen was that extra depth um yeah. because i i do a lot of heavy contouring and that means um the the knife blade and sometimes the back of the handle is flopping around all all around uh, where um, that arm would normally be in the way and so I, I you know I talked to these guys I talked to Vince and Ryan about creating and I came up with sketches and drawings and stuff to really like try to illustrate what I what I was wanting and even sending them videos on how I use my my old one and it didn't even have as much clearance as the new Morocco platen does right um and yeah it's for me it, it is it's a it's a sweet move it's a game changer and it's it just makes it so much more I guess less of a chore sometimes to do certain processes especially the handle sculpting that then you would have to because you'd have to think about oh I, I can only do like do so much on this side because otherwise i'm going to jam the cutting edge of my knife into the arm or something like that but you don't have to think about that anymore and it makes a big difference and that four four inch wheel is a is great for you know hollowing out the handle for like a coke bottle type shape um as well as like i i like using it at a lower rpm to rip the forge scale off of my damascus and cleaning things off really quick before getting you know billets welded back up again it's just it's a really flexible and versatile platen i think again you know it, it it it's just They've done a really good job kind of diversifying themselves and I guess kind of uh, standing, trying to make themselves stand apart from the other grinders because like you said, it is kind of grinder wars out there and how do you differentiate yourself? And they've done a really, made a very strong and smart move in focusing on the attachments that are available because they they identify, they've, they know that not everybody needs a brand new grinder setup, the whole thing, but they, not every grinder maker offers the various tool arms that Broadback has. And Broadback right now is the only one you can get like a buffing arm attachment or a disc arm attachment. You know, all the, they have so much versatility built into the machine. It's awesome. And they're working on, I'm just going to say it, they're working on mm-hmm. a adjustable tool rest. Right. Which I've seen. Yeah. A work rest, adjustable work rest, yeah. which kind of pivots, which is real nice. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, I know we're talking a lot about them. Vince was forging knives this weekend. I saw him whooping up on a knife with a, he had a Nitsen hammer. He had a Nitsen hammer, one of them Nitsen Lily hammers. Right. Lily Nitsen, you know Nitsen? Yeah, Portland. Nitsen, yeah, one of them hammers. And uh, these guys, hammer make they're they're knife makers making grinders, and they're great. And definitely give them a follow. Uh, give them a follow. Give buy this. If you got, listen. If you got a Beaumont, their tool arms are gonna fit the Beaumont. That's it. That's all I'm gonna say. That's it. The last thing. Yeah. Okay. So go get yourself a Broadback. Get yourself the attachments. Uh, knife Talk, not Knife Talk Ten. They've already knocked the prices down. Okay, we've yeah. said enough. 
If you want to go questions or some more dilemmas, your choice, my friend. Yeah, maybe let's jump back to questions. Okay. Should I jump into Hit one? It. Yeah. Do All right, it. Connor Can Canaan. Canon. He says, uh, hi, big fan of the podcast, guys. I'm near Austin, Texas, and I have been doing stock removal knives for a few months and want to know if uh, if you all know someone in the area that could uh, recommend you could recommend for forging or knife making class. Thanks for the entertainment. Also, uh, knife makers teaching classes in Texas. Are you aware of any? I am not, except not for the fact I'm a member of I'm a member of a banner. Sure. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I think I get a I think I get something from the New England School of Metalwork. Okay. Or I get something I don't get something from New England School of Metalwork. I get something from um, ABS. I'm a member of ABS, Abana, and Abana has a ton of references of schools, blacksmithing, bladesmithing mm, schools. Sure. They have a listing of people. If you join these organizations, I know also um, the NEB, I know that's the NEB is New England, but they have a they have you know all these groups have these listings of people, so you can actually get in touch with people. I actually had to get them to take my phone number out because it was like getting phone calls. I was like, please take my phone number out. I'm begging you, <laughs> just put my phone number in a magazine. Come on, stop. Yeah, but like join a banner, join the ABS. These organizations are awesome resources 100%. for people in the area. And there is a ton of people. Oh, you know what? You should call Texas Ferry Supply. Texas Ooh, Ferry son. Supply used to do they used to do um hammerins, but they're very involved with the blacksmithing and the bladesmithing community in Texas. 100%. So if you call Evan, those guys are awesome. And we'll we'll save the read. I know you're just like you're gonna go one one back to back, belly to belly on reads. I don't think so. But uh that's what I would do. I would Get a hold of the guys. I'm sure there's something down there over at uh, Texas Ferris Supply. Yeah, that's a strong. That's a really good call. Um, but also, not far from Texas, there's a, there's a the oh jeez, I think it's in Phoenix where um, they have a knife making school there. Um, it's Rich Greenwood, right? Yeah, Rich Greenwood. There's uh, up in Arkansas in what is it? I think it's Washington, Arkansas, right? Uh, where uh, the ABS has a school there um, where I think Lynn Ray also does a lot of teaching classes there. There's, you know, our our boy Jonathan Porter over in Florida, not very far. Uh, well, he, yeah, he's not going to be doing teaching. He's not teaching oh, he's, for a while, but okay, he okay. will be at some right. point. Never mind. No, that's right. Craig, edit that out. <laughs> Craig, don't <laughs> edit sure. it out. Keep it in there, Craig. <laughs> Yeah, the, the best thing you can do is, I'll tell you, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Joining these organizations, you get a resource. You get resources for what people are doing. Uh, I, I just got Blade Magazine. Blade Magazine, our friend Noah Vashon's in there. K, Kama, K, uh, ben Kamen is on the cover of list this past episodes. Uh, Knife uh, Blade Magazine, shout out to Ben. Those those resources also have a lot of stuff inside. So I would get Blade Magazine. I would join the ABS. I would join Abana. Fuck it. Join the NEB too. Bob Bernard will say, tell Bob Bernard I said hello. Fucking Bob Bernard. There I love Bob Bernard. Dude, I'm going to say it on another podcast. He let out such a burp. <laughs> Bob Menard let out such a burp at Maker Fair, one, or Maker Camp. One morning, there was this ungodly noise. And it was fucking Bob. He let out this burp. It sounded like the dude from Police Academy. The guy, the guy who makes all the noises. Oh, yeah. It sounded like that. It was like Michael this unearthly Lola. noise. So go get yourself a Bob Menard burp, and he'll tell you where to go. Yeah. 
All right. The next question comes from Mark Mike Nye. Here's a question for the show. We all know Jeff's feelings about Forge and Fire. You don't know my feelings about Forge and Fire. Uh, but would he consider Metal Shop Masters if they were doing to do another season? What do you think? Would you let's just change it around? Would you do if if you got a call from Forge and Fire, would you do it again? I've turned him down already. They called me. How many times? Uh twice I think now. Really? Yeah. Recently? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh-huh. I guess within the last year. But yeah. They got to start paying, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's that's the hard part is, you know, you you take the time to do these things and uh and it, it you're that's time you're not in the shop working and making money and paying bills and all that, especially if you're doing this as a business. It's it's a pretty it's pretty rough and they don't offer any compensation. And so that was the last time I talked to them. I was like, "Listen, I can't afford to just do this." And I know you guys have the money to compensate because almost every show compensates the competitors uh, for coming and taking the time to make this dog and pony show. And and they're like, oh, we don't really do that. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I've been on there twice already, and, and it sucks. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm lucky I won the f- second time, but... You know, it sucks even if you get kicked out in the first round and you've taken the time, even a few days, you know. It's, it's, it but it sucks rough. less if you get kicked out in the first round because if you DM me, I have a list of places to go in New York. <laughs> or, I have given an yeah. underground for I've been stuck in Stanford. I don't know what to do. Tour guide. I have given the tour guide. I've given the tour guide away to eight contestants. Right. Eight contestants. It maybe or maybe not. I might. This might be theater of the mind. I'm telling you, it's true. It might not be though. I think I would I would not be on Metal Shop Masters for a couple of reasons. One is really? I don't. Oh, I, I, here's if if it, if they were to pay me, I you know I was talking to Leah Arapach about it for a long time. I don't believe I could win because I don't do these monstrous sculptures. Mm. Like I don't do a lot of the stuff that they're looking for. The monstrous stuff, like big, Large con- big stuff. Yeah giant form like they want giant stuff right like i would probably have a hard time with that yeah and they don't let you there's no forging at all so like the hammer the forging is like they'll give you like a sandbag and a fucking plat planishing hammer like there's no forging you know leah was saying there's like no forges no anvils you know it was just all like metal shop you know metal shop stuff if they wanted me to be a judge i'd if they wanted to pay me to be a judge i'd be a judge they're gonna pay me I would be a judge. I think I would be a great judge on that show. I'm not I'm not putting it out there, but I'm putting it out there. And funny enough, Lee and I always kind of text back and forth. By the way, Leah Arapach is the greatest. We hung out uh we hung out at the Maker Camp. She's fantastic. Her husband Frank is fantastic. They're just terrific. They're they're better than you think they are. You think they're nice. gonna be great and then you meet them in person and they're better. So um so what I was going to say is, um, what was I saying? Um, uh, I, you know, the problem is, is they don't pay. Right. They don't, they don't pay. But I got a message from her saying uh, that Seth Rogen, I guess the big problem with Metal Shop Masters is people have been bitching about the, the judging, which is true. Yeah. The judging was, I mean, you know. The judges listen to Full Blast podcast. They don't listen to Knife Talk. I'm too worried. But the judging, the judging got, the judging wasn't great. Fine. Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen, famous yeah. Seth Rogen says on Twitter, "I was just watching, I was just watching Metal Shop Masters. Man, those judges suck." I was thinking, "Oh my god, 
I was one of the fucking judges. And I was on Twitter. And fucking I was getting roasted by Seth Rogen. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to handle it. Sure. You know, so the answer is, is pay me and all my pain goes away. So that's the answer to that. Yeah. And in regards to Forge and Fire, I wouldn't be able to win. And, you know, I could... I wouldn't be able to win, and uh, like Morocco says, it's just like it's uh, there's no money. I mean, it's just like I, I don't need speculation. If I wanted speculation, I was 19 years old. I'll take all the speculation I can get. Sure. Okay. Um, Should I take another one? Yeah, hit it. Yeah. All right. Dylan Myrick says uh, I need longer drill bits because I seem to always have to burn in the last little bit of my tang. The question is. Will the leftover ash inside the handle make for a weak bond using epoxy? I, I don't, how how I don't understand how there's leftover ash in the bottom of the handle. You mean? Maybe well, I think that he's saying we burns it in. Like isn't there charred? like char inside? Char, I guess. Yeah. I'll tell you how you like, skip this issue. You go to a real hardware store. And you can buy a quarter-inch drill bit, just a standard like high-speed steel drill bit that's six inches long. You just get one of you, get yeah. one of those damn things. That's all you gotta do. No, nope, yeah. don't don't burn, especially into any kind of stable stabilized material. Don't burn into those handles. It's horrible, and it smells. Do you like think death. it's bad ultimately to burn into handles? I think that is an especially yeah, especially uh, uh, a resin, you know, whatever a stabilized piece of material that is not what you want to be introducing that kind of high heat to um handle material maybe if it's not stabilized if you're trying to do more of a traditional style but if it's just i can't get to the bottom of the, the you know the tang slot get a longer drill bit they're and they're cheap and uh, you know i bought one like two years ago i love it i hardly ever use it because it's only it's dedicated only for drilling tang, tang slots and that's it, and it's great. So just yeah, just spend the money. Don't be lazy. You can probably find that on Amazon, honestly. Or McMaster Car. Or McMaster Car. Yeah, you could probably get any size. Actually, just to let you know, if you're in the United States, if you need letter bits, I've been getting letter bits lately, so I can oversize to put the dowels in. Letter bits are oh, just sure. a hair over, so you can yeah. machine in dowels. Yeah. McMaster Car has all those. So right. go get yourself a drill. But yeah, stop, stop playing. I I always get afraid that with the burning of the handles, and I might be wrong, but I'm always afraid I'm just going to end up splitting the wood. One hundred. You know, I just don't. I just don't. I have no faith in myself. Gorilla hands. Gorilla. Hands. <laughs> gorilla finesse. You, gorilla finesse. You got that gorilla, gorilla finesse. Grip. That's what I hear. That's it. Gorilla. Gorilla grip. Okay, here's a good one for you. Apex Knives says, Hey, guys, this may be a really elementary question, but here it goes. I'm about to try my hand at making Damascus. I have both 1095 and 1084 laying around, and I'm trying to decide to which one to go with. Will the difference in carbon content between the two steels affect the contrast from the etch? Will 1095 have more contrast than 1084? Thanks, guys. That's all you, man. Okay. Uh... I hope that he's picking between the two to then combine with 15 and 20. It's not 100% clear here, but I'm going to make that assumption. So Good I'm going to assume that he's got 15 and 20 in the mix, which is going to end up being kind of the silver portion of the high contrast etch. Now, I, uh, 
I actually had a conversation with somebody the other day just recently about uh, carbon content, and they were surprised at how dark – like I think they had a mixture of 1020 – like this is low carbon content, almost mild steel, basically, um, ten series steel and fifty two one hundred, and the fifty two one hundred etched lighter, lighter like a lighter gray, charcoal gray color, and and then the uh, and the ten twenty etched super dark, like pitch black. And he's like, "What's going on?" The, the obviously the fifty two one hundred has higher carbon content, and I so the carbon does play a role. A little bit, but what plays a much stronger role is the manganese content of the steel. And if you look at 52100 versus 1020, uh, 1020 has like twice as much manganese content as 52100. And that's why it's etching super black and the 52100 is only like a charcoal color. Hmm. And so... Now, when it comes to 1084 and 1095 and any of the 10 series, and actually, honestly, unless it's a part of uh, like a CPM steel uh, or I guess a particle metallurgy steel, there most most other steels have kind of a range that the various elements like the carbon content varies between, you know, a certain range and and so on and all the other alloying elements. Um, 1084 can have a ton more manganese or it can have just as little or less manganese as 1095. Um, it, it, it literally depends on the very specific batch that you're working with. And all you can really do to try to, to know is just to, to work with it and, and make something out of it. So maybe you make a billet out of each and decide which one you like better. If you, if you got the, you know, the quantity to work with and the time to do it, then I would just make a billet out of each. Um, I think the 1084 will be a little bit more forgiving, especially when it comes to the heat treating, because it has a, a, a much more similar heat treat profile to the 15 and 20 than the 1095 will. And huh. because the 1095 heat treats somewhat differently, um, like you can water quench 1095 um, versus 15 and 20, you don't really want to water quench. Uh, and that dis- disparity could cause some issues later on down the road, if not right there in the making process. Um, so I would err on the side of the 1084, honestly, personally. But again, 1095 works well. You just have to know um, what you're working with, basically. But I, w- I would... All right, so... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, keep going. I was just going to say, test. I have this app called knife steel i believe it's knife steel charts um and it literally literally has almost all steels that are, are commercially manufactured around the world that as a reference in their different carbon contents you can build charts comparing different steels and um and then kind of make a, a a little bit more of an informed decision from there but ultimately i think you know if you got again if you got the extra material or to play with, maybe you just make a billet out of both. Not even just a not even a giant billet, just a small billet of each to do a test and see which one you like best. But again, I think the ten eighty four is gonna play a lot nicer, especially when it comes to the heat tree aspect, which is obviously a lot more important, I think, when you're when it comes to performance than the actual aesthetic. Both will get a decent look. 
um, but it's not the carbon content. It's it's going to be the manganese content. A ten eighty four is going to typically have more manganese um, that will help boost that contrast. If you had two billets of Damascus, okay. both made the same. Okay. One was ten. One was ten ninety five. One was ten eighty four. Okay. Both fifteen and twenty. Yeah. Could you tell the difference with just looking at them? Um. If it was only a ferric etch, I think so. Um, really? Yeah. But if it was a coffee etch, it would be a little bit more difficult to tell. What would be the difference after pulling it just the ferric etch? What would you notice would be the difference? The 1095 will have more of a gray, like a dark gray. But the 1084 will be, if you you know things go smooth, should be basically jet black. Huh. Uh, and I actually, I have a knife that has a combination of 1095 and 1084 as the core material because I just built it up to to add to the, the patterning that's happening in the dark. And you can actually, and it's been, uh, I'm trying to think if I coffee etched it or not. Um, I think I did actually coffee etch it. And you can still see, even between the two combined together as solid black, you can see the difference. And the 1084 is definitely darker they're similar but the 1084 is definitely darker there you go and if you're making damascus whether it's 1095 or 1084 you're gonna have to sand it to make it look nice in order to get it in that ferric chloride and make it look nice so who are you going to use in dossie usa that's you're going to use you can go to texas farrier supply.com you're going to put in promo code Knife Talk 10, you need 10% off your entire order of all your Indasa Rhino Wet. I love Rhino Wet. It is the best. And mm-hmm. I just wanted you to read you a nice message we got from one of the listeners. William McKinley went to send me a nice email. I hope if you're listening, Texas Ferry Supply, this was meant for you, but I'm reading it, so that's the way it is. Hey, guys, this is Texas. This is William McKinley. Hey, guys. I worked uh, over for a while, and I haven't worked on knives or smithing, so I'm behind on the podcast. I made a trip. Uh, I made a trip to Dallas in Houston, and I'm using some of the drive time to catch up on the show. And I got to say, y'all, sponsors, Texas Ferrier Supply is staffed with great people. I went out to the shop today, a one-hour drive, and I was greeted with a warm welcome and conversation. I mentioned the show and how it reminds me that since I moved from Houston to Dallas-Fort Worth, I could go to the store. And, man, they hooked me up with great swag. Nice. From some knife makers and blacksmithing groups in the area, so he they they are very well aware. To back to the guy who was looking for, there are knife makers and blacksmithing groups in the area, and they gave me uh, the Knife Talk podcast discount. Gave me two extra Scotch Bright belts for free. Great guys and gal there. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna use your advice and get some Indasa Rhino Wet sandpaper. Evan and the guys at Texas Ferry Supply will take care of you. They're great guys, and go get yourself some Rhino Wet there or your other blacksmithing supply stuff. Get your Get some other things there. They're good dudes and glad they're sponsors of yeah. us. What would you like to do, my man? We got questions, we got dilemmas, and we'll wrap this motherfucker up. Uh, yeah, let's do. I'm, I'm sorry, I totally drew a huge blank. Uh, let's do dilemmas. Let's do a couple more. Okay, a couple more dilemmas. Couple more dilemmas. Okay. Uh, Alpha. This comes from Alpha Forge Works. Hey, guys. Love your opinion. I would love your opinion on a personal dilemma. I'm retiring from the Air Force after 24 years in March. 
I still have my GI Bill for school, and I would love to take advantage of it while also making knives. What program should I get into? Some type of art program, a culinary program. I love to cook, but I don't plan to do it professionally. I just want to get better and cook like a chef. Metalworking or business. It can also be used for, at, a vocation, at vocational schools, I believe. I love the podcast and keep up the great work. Thanks. Mike and Rianco. And he spelled it phonetically, so I don't fuck it up. I'm already fucking it up, Mike. <laughs> and Riaco. And Andriaco. Andriaco. So you, let's just turn it into this. You got some money to take classes. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Um, when I, so I took a class at the New England School of Metalwork, and there was a kid there who had, who had been in the Marines or in the Army. I, I know either of those would hate getting mistaken for the other, uh, but nonetheless, he had a GI Bill, and he was using that, I th- I believe, for, now, you'll have to talk to them but as a 501c3 and they have they have some accreditation because they can certify certify because they're an extension of the welding program the the main oxy welding program and so i think that they he was using some of his gi bill to take courses there but you cannot take my word for that you got to double check with them i think we should take your word for it I think you just show up with the GI Bill. I'm here. Saying, like you're, yeah, I'm here. Like it's, a, like, like it's your Amex black card. Just fucking swipe that shit. I'm, I'm taking a class. Where's the fuck is Nick Rossi and that purple hair? Get your ass over here. I got to learn something. Here's a, Uncle Sam's paying for this yeah. class. You know? Uh, otherwise, there are, what is it? I think uh, Penland has some blacksmithing courses. They're, they're an art school down in, where is it, Jeff? North Carolina? Penland is in one of the Carolinas. Okay. And then there's Carbondale, wherever the hell Carbondale is, in the central United States. We're really helpful on this question, or at least I'm Well, not, I mean, I'm you not know. Um, well, you could probably, if I mean, you could try. I mean, I, I love the question. I love yeah. the question. What else would you do? I don't know what else. Maybe take a business course. Well. <laughs> you know, if if you if you don't know what you're going to do with it, it would be good to do something that could further your career. That's for sure. sure. Like, or I mean, like, I would th- maybe try. I would go to the Center for Mental Arts. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be I'm going to have on uh, Pat Quinn's coming back on the Full Blast podcast to announce the new courses for 2022 oh for the Center for Mental Arts. That's going to be exclusive at the Full Blast podcast. I'm very excited about that. And uh, he's got big classes coming up. They're getting better and better and better. I like the idea of going to this New England School of Metalwork. You get some fucking business. You get some shit learned there. That's the one thing about this New England School of Metalwork. Like, the ABS sees that as, if you take a class from them, I mean, that, like, cuts your time for testing. Like, they consider that, like, as good as time taken, you know, so... Definitely, I would love to do that. If I had some extra money, if I had some extra money, let's just say I had some extra money to take some classes. At this point in my life, I'm going to take some painting classes. Honestly, honestly, because I, <laughs> I want to, I want to, you know, my honestly, I want to take painting classes because I'm preparing for when I'm like something bad happens and I'm like stuck in a chair and I'm like, yeah, I'm old man. I want to be, sure. I want to be sitting in a bright room with a paint. I want to be painting. I want to be, like be painting big canvases. Jacques Pepin. You know, 
You're gonna be doing. That's your right. Paintings. I want to be like. I want to be out in a big room, with a big table full of paint. I want like ten paintings on the wall. I'm gonna be working on ten different paintings at the same time. That's what I want to do. You know what you do. Like to, like, this is this is your move, old man. Go Fader. ahead. Go ahead. You get stabilized handle blocks. You coat them in gesso. You paint them. You do some sort of protective clear coat, and then you attach them to hidden tang handles to knives. I did that already. I was doing that. That's the first knives I made were painted on handles, and I and I just didn't think they were going to last. I'm gonna do. I, I'm gonna do something low. I'm gonna. Do, I I expect to when I get old to not have to wear any safety protection. I don't want to wear any PPE when I'm older. I want to do stuff that is. I don't have to worry about any type of safety. I don't want. I don't want to wear eyeglasses. I don't want to have hearing plugs in. I don't want to have a respirator on. I just want to fucking paint. That's what my plan. So I'm going to take a painting class. <laughs> there we go. And then uh, where are we at? So uh, let's do a couple more. This one comes from Keith Mitchell, a.k.a. Shipwright Skills. You're Somehow you end up on a deserted island, and on the second day, Zeus shows up. Zeus. Come on, man. Zeus. Zeus shows up and tells you you can have one power tool for the island. What power tool would you choose? <laughs> so you're on an island, and Zeus shows up. A fucking guy with a with lightning bolts and a puby beard. <laughs> White puby beard. He's going to give you something. Take whatever you want. What do you want? Um, water filter. Water filtration system. Whoa. No power tools, huh? That's a, It requires power, doesn't it? What? See, uh, see, I guess some a, don't. You're very practical. Listen, you, you're not going to survive very long if you can't drink the fucking water. <laughs> you're fucking practical, <laughs> deserted. You're you're practical. You're smarter than me. I was going to say a fucking chainsaw, because then I thought well, if you got a power <laughs> sure. tool, but there's no power. I mean, you got to you know what are you can do. But I, you're smarter than I am. Water filtration system. That's a good move. Yeah, you got a chainsaw. Good job, Keith. Uh, let's do one or two more and then we'll get the hell out of here. This one comes from, how's it going, Craig? Are we doing okay? Are we are going on, okay on all of our reads? I can't remember. We got, I don't think we got, I think we hit them all. I don't know. I think we hit them all. Yeah, I think we got them. Nine Rule Knives says, I have a knife dilemma for you. He's from Down Under. Okay. You go to a show and there's only you and one other knife maker here. I love these dilemmas. We're getting the same dilemma. We're all packed in the same room and we're all yelling at each other. Um, you go to a show and there's you and only other one knife maker there. You know his work is subpar as you've been to his shop and he's selling it at the same price you are. How do you deal with the customers saying, well, his is cheaper, prettier without putting, without putting him, uh, without outing him as a flea bag. So like, how do you deal with like the fact that this guy is making flea bag shit and you got to deal with it, and people are saying, "Well, you're, why are his his more cheaper than yours?" What do you do? I think I think you got to <laughs> give people a better reason to want to buy your stuff than the price. I think that's what you right. need to do. <laughs> yeah, don't compare. I, the comparing is the problematic. I think that when it's back to your dude who was just like explained to me when you got to like. When all of a sudden you're like on the chopping block and you have to do all this stuff, it's like you're not for me. This is we don't have to we don't have to go through all this. Just just window shop. Just fuck off. Yeah. You know? 
I hate, I don't, I, I, I don't think I would ever do a knife show just because I just don't, all these scenarios that everyone's sending us, most of them happened. Like these are, I usually follow up with, does this happen to you? And they're usually like, yeah. So I'm just like, Ugh, I'm not going to do, I don't want to be involved with that. I'm going to just show up and keep my mouth shut. Well, and well, and the, I think a lot of these scenarios, uh, are endemic of just personal insecurity. Like, if if you are self-confident in your own work, then who gives a fuck <laughs> what other people are charging, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. But, I but think, you know, people are petty. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. People are petty. I, I don't mind being a little petty once in a while, just a little bit. And then let's finish up on this one. This one comes from DMT Shenanigans. DTM Shenanigans. DTM <laughs> Shenanigans. You've been listening to too much Joe, Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan. Dude, shout out to Joe Rogan for for hooking up. He's wearing the Montana Knife oh, yeah, Company I saw shit. That. He's a he's they're guys. all in all those guys, Dana White, all those guys are he get Josh is like, I mean, you can't you can't make it up. He is blowing up. Fucking Incredible. good, man. So DT and deservedly so. You know, I sent yeah. a message to him and I said to him, I'm so happy for you, you deserve it. He goes, I don't know if I deserve it. I'm like, listen, asshole. You fucking if I say you deserve it, you deserve it. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean you don't deserve it? You fucking what are you nuts? <laughs> shooting shooting deers and stuff and all sorts of making knives. Just can't make them fast enough, those knives. DTM Shenanigan says, We prescri- we pre-scheduled a bunch of booth space for the rest of a ye- for the rest of the year. At an event. So he got, like, a, let's just imagine that it's like a farmer's market or a okay. stand. Yeah. We pre-scheduled a bunch of booth space for the rest of the year, and I, we paid the deposits on all of them. About a show every other week. So every other two, once, once every two weeks, they yeah. do a show. They do a show. The beginning of September, we had a show there, and we sold the, the vast majority of all of our products. We've had three shows since and four more for the rest of the year. My business partner and I have been working almost every night after our day jobs, and it's starting to drain us physically and mentally. We're afraid that our quality will start to suffer. What would you guys do? Would you go to the event with less product? Would you burn the candle at both ends? Would you try to cancel an event? This is a fucking good one. What do you do? Because they moved it all in the beginning, and now all of a sudden it's like every week it's like a deluge. Right. Um, I I mean, obviously, keeping up product quality is, I think, is the top priority, along with just also not burning yourself out. So I would say if you have to dial back productivity, like production to make sure that you're keeping the product quality high and you're not burning yourself out, then do that. If you if that also means canceling a show, fuck, maybe that's what that means. I mean, you you, you got to take care of yourself, but you also have to kind of preserve your reputation that you've started to build. And so I think that's going to be key is finding that balance and whatever that takes. You know, people are forgiving. But when you start, uh, like, if you, in regards to, like, oh, they weren't there at the show this week. We're, well, well, hopefully we'll see them next week. And maybe they'll be even hungrier to see you next time around. But if you start putting out shitty product, that is not going to be... That's not going to bode well. I think you know what's it's, it's a tough spot. It's yeah. a tough spot because you, they've prepaid for the booth, and yeah. then you know if they bail out, then all the work they've done is like just kind of canceling all canceling it all out. You know, it's maybe figure out a way to do like a if if 
if it's just bomb crazy, you could create like a pre-order list that people could buy on the spot, like almost like a gift certificate. And then that way, if you run out, you you just let people know, I'm going to be there. We have this amount of knives. And then afterwards, we'll give you a ticket for a knife that we haven't made yet. And then at least you might be able to sell some stuff without killing yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to make it after the fact, but you won't be like sitting there with one knife and then one, one knife's gone. You have to sit there for the rest of the day or you're paying somebody or something like that. Create something that like you're able to at least take the money, you know, because it's like it is, it's a drag. I would never do, I would, I hate those commitments because it's sure. like part of me was thinking, it's just like, you know what, I would, in my mind, I would knuckle up and try to, work my organization skills to try to 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 try to fucking persevere but at the same time it's just like it might be it just sounds like it's too much especially if this is like their after hours job and stuff like that everything else yeah well that's a tough one dude the other i would the other part of the equation i'd be very curious to know is you know if this is just like like in my in my local town here i think there's a there's somebody puts together a gun show like once a month or something like that. And if it's a $50 table, fuck that. Eat that $50, take a break, and get some good shit made. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's not too bad. Yeah. Like, if it's not too... if you, I mean, you're talking like a 100 bucks. Yeah. Even maybe if it's, it's like... Bucks, you know, what is it really worth to you? Is that extra yeah. stress worth it to you? No. Yeah. yeah, you might just like... You know, you could... What you could do is you could send a kid... You send a kid and say, here's how we're, you know, if you don't, if you don't want to actually, I wouldn't want to be there, to be honest with you. My dad used to drag me to those things, those farmer's markets, and I hated being there. I hated <laughs> sure. it. That's why you'll never see me in one of these events, because you have to say the same bullshit to the same people, and and they, they're a little nodding, oh, oh look mm-hmm. at this, and they're oh, saying the same stupid jokes, and <laughs> they're saying, I mean, they think that they're the first person, oh, fade, Fader, oh, is that, is that like, are you related to Roger Federer? Oh, uh, kind of, Fader, oh, you mean like Darth Fader? Are you going to hear that shit all fucking day? <laughs> Fuck that. That'd it's not terrible. worth it. Oh, all day long, That's all day long. Good. Clinton Vineyards, my dad's vineyard. Clinton Vineyards, are you related to Bill Clinton? <laughs> oh, fuck off. Jesus. Nobody wants it. Oh, you're a knife guy. You're not going to hold me up, are you? I shouldn't be worried, are you? You're like a pirate or something. God, get out of here. I say fuck them. I say I just don't even show up. <laughs> I've had it already. I'm already sick of your customers, dude. I can't even handle it. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's I think a good that's one it. to end we... on. Did we do all the spots? I think we yeah. did. We did the combat. So, we did the even heat. The cell Craig, did we, the even... Craig, did we get them all? If, if we didn't, Craig, we're going to throw it in right now. Throw it in right now. And then, uh, all right. Well, that was a fun show, guys. Listen to us uh, on Friday, Mondays. We're here on Mondays, and we're going to have some fun coming up. And Craig will be back after that uh, his dramatic plastic surgery. And, you know, we'll see what – we'll find out what happened. And uh, that's it. So I actually, go I got... follow us on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Go follow Mareka. You already do. Everybody does. Go follow me if you want. Go follow Craig if you want. And uh, he don't do anything on Instagram anyway. Wait. Wait. Can we do – I want to know what you're, you're looking forward to this next week. Oh, yeah. Up. Well, thank you. Craig, you play some harps? All right. There you go. I'm looking forward to, I got my truck packed. I'm going to go over to your old shop, Dragonsworth Forge, and I'm going to be teaching a black, uh, blacksmithing class to some of our listeners. Kyle Heath's going to be there. Right. I know Black Cat Blades is going to be there. I know Camacho Knives is going to be there. I know a few other guys are going to be there. And we're going to have a lot of fun. And 
I'm excited. I'm excited to go down there. I'm excited to do some blacksmithing. And then uh, I just got an email from uh, a magazine that wants me to put submit best sandwich to a, to uh, this list of 200 of the best American sandwiches. So wow. that's why I was stuttering before. Okay. What would you be your number one sandwich? I you know what I don't know. Really, best sandwich. Yeah. Well, they're going to be 200 sandwiches, so I have to come up with a good one. Right. I already know it. I'm now. Best that's in easy. the country. No, your favorite sandwich. Oh, just my favorite sandwich. Yeah, your favorite sandwich. I I like a Reuben. I'm a I'm a fan of the Reuben. I love corned beef. Or I guess that's pastrami. Sorry. And um, no, it's corned beef. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And uh, I've had it both ways, I guess. I've had it with corned beef and I've had it pastrami. Yeah. But uh, strong. I like uh, I like stone ground mustard and sautéed onions on it. Whew. Strong. Those. That's are, a strong. That is, a Reuben is a strong sandwich. I can't eat that shit anymore, but it's great. Oh, I already so know good. what I'm gonna. I'm already gonna say. I'm drooling it. right now. Bec bodega sandwich. Bec bacon egg and cheese on a roll of salt pepper. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I mean, that's one. Of, that's my number one. However, I'm gonna have to talk to Tony because Tony will probably say. He'll probably say there's a roast pork sandwich in Philly that's better than the cheesesteak. It's roast pork with broccoli rob. That's not even the same sandwich. How can you compare them? No, they're different. But there's like if you're a real Philly guy and the Philly guys, y'all can whatever. I'm with you know you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) There's the cheesesteak, but then the real sandwich. If I guess if you go into Reading Market. Okay. It's called the roast pork sandwich. It's like roast pork with sautéed broccoli rabe and sharp uh, aged provolone cheese, mm-hmm. and that's the that's a big one too. Tony would say that would be the sandwich. That sounds but good. Tony in here, yeah, it's great. And what 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 is you tell us about your what are you looking forward to this week? I'm just looking forward to getting some knives finished. That's all. Simple. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I think that sounds like a plan. And then Craig is looking forward to his post scrotal tuck. Yeah, I would imagine something like that. Right, right, Craig. Yeah, I listen to that. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. I guess this is the after show now. I don't know show. if he played the after show. <laughs> do we do an after show without Craig? I mean, if we could I do feel... it five minutes. Okay, we could do. It feels so different without Craig here. I miss you, Craig. I hope you. Yeah, we us. miss you, Craig. You, no, Craig. it's you know what we got a good we got a good chemistry the three of us. But I I also like doing him with you or doing him with Craig. Yeah. Once in a while, knocking it around, it's working. Trust sure. me, it's working. It's a the, and I might say. The live is was fun for a while, but these these shows are way better. Sure, and it's because we're not we're not like being watched. We're not being like, you know, they're not like the stupid cracks and derailings and stuff sure. like that. And I think you that... know, you yelling at someone and me yelling at someone. <laughs> That's the problem. You and I are like fucking start yelling at the audience. Uh, I have a problem with getting triggered. Yeah, is that sidebar? The sidebar. Yeah. <sighs> If that's, I'd, be, I'd, be yeah, fine I, I, the, I'd be fine doing the live, but maybe without the sidebar, it's, it is very distracting. It's super distracting. It's super distracting. And then we can't get into this rhythm, and we, we're, we're not as self-conscious. It's just better. Yeah. So I'm all fired up to go to uh, – I had to – we had a bit of a – not a – I wouldn't say a scare, but one of the things uh, – well, this is Friday now. 
surround after Maker Fair, you know, people weren't married. We were outside and we sure. were relatively, everyone was safe. And I was fucking doing the, everything I could to, I mean, people are so happy to see each other. They're just like, and you know, these makers are so fucking handsy. They're, I mean, it's like. They work with their hands they, and they love the touch with their hands. Dude, they are the fruitiest huggers of all time. All I want to do is give you a hug and a grab and a touch and just like, leave me alone. Muzzling you. Oh, they, they're so excited to just put their hands on you. And it was like I was pushing your back and you get, you give the knuckles and then there's this weird awkwardness. Am I supposed to handshake or not? Oh, come on, come on, come on. And then, you know, it was great. And it was great. And then all of a sudden Wednesday I got a couple messages that some people were COVID positive, a couple people. And, you know, obviously, you just, I mean, there was like a few hundred people there, probably sure. like, I would say all day, probably like 400 people, including staff and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know that, you know, that there's going to be something going to come up. So I, you know, I was texting the Modern Forge guys. Everyone already got, I mean, I, by the time I reached those guys, they had already, you know, most of them live in the, you know, New York and you can get a, you can get a rapid test real quick. Right. So most of them already came back negative, you know, they already came back negative. And then I started to, uh, I went, I had a, I, because I was afraid. I was like, I, I felt great. Everything felt fine. I felt like, I mean, I had, I was a little bit congested, um, from before, but I mean, I didn't feel sick and it was a Wednesday. So glass like, contact was a Sunday. So I, so I went and got a, a COVID test just to make sure, because I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to have to cancel on, on, uh. On, if I had, it was if I was COVID positive, oh sure, I just I would I would have to cancel this class and yeah. I would feel terrible about it. But uh, you know, I went to go get the you know we're texting everyone's texting and, and I was surprised at how many people came back negative. Like most people that I talked with, there was only like as far as I know, three people who tested po tested positive. But everybody else I talked about, like I think I talked like twenty people. They all ran out, got the rapid test, got the PCR test, and everyone came back negative. So I was talking to my wife about it, and she's like, look, this is the way life is going to be now. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, this is the way life's going to be. And, you know, you just, people are going to be like, all right, I got, ex I got an exposure. I better get tested. Right. So. That's exciting. Kind of. This is a good it wasn't exciting. It was, it, was, it was annoying. Was it was sorry. annoying. <laughs> I wasn't angry because I mean I should if I you know I knew the risks if if yeah. I knew the risks so that's it. I, I meant but you're, that you're going to be able to do the dragon's breath thing. I've been, oh yeah, that's going to be great. That's going to be great. And I talked to Matt and Matt's yeah. Matt's very uh, they're very uh, that he's very conscious of COVID and he's put a lot of things in place and just being Certainly. smart and you know a lot of these small guys are a lot of them are realizing we got to do whatever it takes to keep business going and if we have to do all this masking and this, yeah that, you know, well and classes is a big got to do it is a big part of uh you know how those guys roll over there and, and uh, part of their income is, it comes from offering classes in fact they yeah. so much so that they've rededicated and isolated a, a whole class portion of the shop just for classes uh, at one end of the shop and they just redid everything they got it fully kitted out with grinders and workbenches and anvils and forges and everything it's it's impressive and so but yeah it's it's important for sure but i'm excited i've, I've actually been just this last week i talked well i talked to jamie um who is uh, jamie lundell part of dragon's breath forge as well 
And, um, you know, I hadn't talked to him in a few months, and so it was good to catch up and hear what they've been doing with the shop there and what he's kind of working on and stuff. He's doing some pretty impressive stuff. He's amazing. Um, And uh, they've also had these crazy projects that – there are all all these top-secret crazy projects, like sword projects that have been getting thrown their direction. And and, uh, he's – yeah, he's impressive. He's he's had a – if you don't follow him, go check him out and follow him. He's he's making these swords out of mosaic Damascus, like like nobody's basically made since like the ancient Romans in like you know the first or second century uh, A.D., which is kind of weird to say out loud. Um, and uh, but it's just the the patterns he's achieving and uh, over like you know the format of the sword sword compared to a knife is so much larger. You know, you're talking about 30-ish inches, give or take, depending on the style of the knife. And so there's a whole lot that goes into that and the way he's welding those blades up. And there's so much potential for failure after so much time has already been put into forging the material and meticulously cutting and shaping everything to come back together. It's uh, scary. It's scary. Well, I'll give you a full report. I'll give you a full report next week. I'm looking forward to getting over there. Nice. And that's it. It's uh, it's very exciting, and you know, everybody's uh, everybody. I had a good time with you. Know, I had a good time with Derek from Malden. Nice. That guy's funny. He's he's so funny. We had a we had a lot of laughs. It was a lot of fun. But uh, that's it. I mean, you know, well, I think that's it. Don't you think? I I got one question for you. Go ahead. There's a Frank Pepe's like 20 minutes (laughs) away from the shop. You gonna get a clam pie or what? I'm not. You're not I'll doing tell carbs. you why. I'll tell you why. The carbs. I am like, I have been so good, with the exception of last week and I sure. ate garbage. Yeah. But I mean, I've been so good. I. You know what? I'm going to see what the girls want. If they want me to bring back a, you know what? Fuck it. If they want me to bring back a, a Frank Pepe's, I will bring back a Frank Pepe's. <laughs> you got, you reminded me. If they, if they want me to, I will. But other than that, they love pizza. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, you fucking tore me, man. I was like, nope, no pizza for me. I'm like, yeah, Frank Pepe. Yeah, we're <laughs> so, we'll, well see. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a full report. There is a stopping shop around the corner too. So, if you need to get anything, there's there's a grocery store right there. I know, but the Frank Pepe's. I mean, that's a whole different yeah. ballgame. That's a that's a. But nine, I mean, it's a, a is it just a one right day there. thing or? Yeah, you yeah, know what? Okay. I just I I can I don't want to do two day classes. <laughs> you know, I just like, and and I well, I just said to Matt, let's just try one, see how it goes, and I'm gonna sure. be jam. We're gonna be jamming tomorrow, so wow, it's gonna that's be exciting. gonna be a fucking long day. Oh boy, you'd be surprised. Well, we can make like a the, move. The driving and everything, right? Oh yeah, an hour and a half. It's not that bad. Okay. It's not that bad. It won't be that bad. I'm not too worried about the driving. I mean, I guess it's. The, I want to make sure everyone leaves with a good pair of tongs. Yeah, and that's one. Of, that's the you know, and have some fun, a couple of laughs, and something like that. Well, that's it. That's it. I mean, well, that's what it. else All are we right. gonna do? Let's keep entering on. It's fine. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Thank you very much. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. Thank you. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.